<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is underway. Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, best friends, are sitting down for a love fest in Helsinki, Finland. Hello, everybody. Here we are, Monday, July 16. Whoa, let's get going with The Bill Press Show. Lots to talk about and uh, lots uh, to comment on over the weekend. It has been a blockbuster of a weekend uh, starting on Friday with the big announcement by the Department of Justice, Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, uh, announcing the indictments of 12 Russian military by name, definitely working for the Russian government, members of the Russian military, taking orders from Vladimir Putin, and every detail about how and why and when and whom they hacked in the 2016 election and what they did about it and how they staged the release of those documents that they stole online. It is for sure, no doubt about it, the final nail in Russia's coffin. But Donald Trump still says it didn't happen and it's all a witch hunt made up by the Democrats. And now he's sitting down with a man who did it and he won't say a damn thing about it. That's number one we got to talk about today, and you will want to comment on your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Welcome at any time. What do you think about this summit? What do you think about this bromance with Trump and Putin? Is Donald, is Vladimir Putin really Donald Trump's handler? you got to wonder, whose side is Donald Trump on? I think we're going to find out right now. They started, sat down about 10 minutes ago. All right. Again, your comments welcome on Twitter, at VP Show. What do you know? Peter Ogburn is back. Hey, now. So we can't get started without saying, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news this morning. Okay, so we go to New Orleans because on Saturday morning at around 7 o'clock, 
There was a problem at the Jaguar exhibit. A Jaguar got loose at New Orleans Zoo. Oh, not a car. Not a car. Not not an an actual Jaguar. An actual jungle cat got loose. Uh, and, And mauled several of the animals at the zoo. In fact, it killed... Five alpacas. The alpaca exhibit was right next to the jaguar exhibit. Killed five alpacas, killed one fox, and killed an emu. Uh, And there are still some animals that are being treated because, you know, the animal attacked them. The jaguar attacked them. The zoo uh, has now reopened. It was closed for all of Saturday. It opened yesterday. And they were asked, what's going to happen to the jaguar? And the zoo said he was just doing what jaguars do. That nothing's going to happen to them, but they are investigating to find out exactly what happened with the exhibit. Yeah. They said that it looks like there was some sort of tampering with the ooh, with the ooh. thing that keeps them enclosed in their cage. They've ruled out zookeeper <laughs> uh, uh, problems, uh-huh. and so they think that somebody might have actually sabotaged it. But ooh, stay tuned ooh. to see what happened there. We go to Redlands, California, where a 28-year-old man called the police and said that he had been attacked. By a jaguar? Not by a jaguar. Not by a jaguar. He had been attacked by a woman. He told the cops everything that happened, but he left out one important detail because they went and they looked back at the security and the surveillance footage from the park where he says he was attacked. And it turns out he actually had exposed himself to a woman who was in the park, and she chased him down, and she stabbed him. Good for her. Yeah. But she has been arrested and charged with suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon. Come on. Yeah. So no word on if the charges are going to be dropped on her part. They're now looking at indecent exposure charges against the man as well. So I'm not going to say that you should definitely do that, but good for her. Stabbing may be a little... uh Beyond, you know, a little, a little more self-defense than, but but going, I don't feel bad for but him. But chasing him down, yeah, yeah, I don't feel bad for this guy. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. And the big summit. Oh, no, no, no. We're not supposed to call it a summit. Um, I'm sorry. It's just a meeting. Yeah. The big meeting underway in Helsinki, Finland, at least according to the schedule. Supposed to start just uh, about a half an hour ago. I think they're just a little bit late. Uh, How much will Donald Trump give away to Vladimir Putin? That is the big question. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Hope you had a great weekend and a happy Monday. It is Monday, July 16th. So good to see you today on the Bill Press Show as we join you coast to coast with all the news of the day. And not just the news of today, this summit. We'll see how that plays out. We won't know because they'll still be meeting until just about an hour after uh, our program ends. Um, but we've got to bring you up to date on all the news with the wrap-up of the NATO summit uh, with the president's visit to London, with tea about tea with the Queen, and then the big news here in the United States, that bombshell announcement by the Department of Justice on Friday of the indictment of 12 members of the Russian military for hacking into our election. Uh, they are named, all the details of how they did it in an incredible 29-page document. 
and we'll I'll walk you uh, all the way through that here today. As we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you coast to coast also on Free Speech TV. Hello, 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 free speechers. And on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and um, all, all over the Chicago area on WCPT. Uh, boy, how about it? World Cup fever. Man, yesterday. Actually, I sat and watched a World Cup game. Well, at least the first half. Uh, but it was uh, very, very exciting uh, to see. V- uh, f- what a game. Uh, f- France over Croatia, 4-2. to two. As a Francophile, I was rooting for France, of course. But I got to tell you, the Croatians were very impressive. Uh, Pierre, I don't know if you saw the game. They dominated possession. They had possession like 65% of the time. Yeah. I actually watched some of the game They, they were really, uh, really yeah, good. Yeah, they were an impressive team. <clears throat> and they had a great run through the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, obviously so did France, but I don't think anybody saw Croatia going as far no. as they did. No, no. And when they beat England right uh, in the semifinals, and that, that popped them up there. But they really an uh, incredible, incredible team. It was, a, it was a great game. By the way, it was one of the highest scoring World Cups ever. Oh, wow. Average, you know, those uh, scores are so low. What I see this morning, the average, I think the average was um, 2.6 goals per game in this w- World oh, Cup. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, so many of them are 0 0 <laughs> or 1 0. <laughs> right, right. right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, very, very, very exciting. And uh, we always do, we always keep uh, up to date on the movie front. I, I saw a movie that I, I wasn't sure I was ever going to see, but then I just decided I wanted to see it, and I went to see Went to see. Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh, there you go. The Mr. Rogers documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very, really good. Yeah, he was incredible. Uh, but I didn't realize his, you know, his whole thing, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Sure. Da, 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 and telling kids, you really count, you're special, you're important, just to be you, who you are, and, you know. And he was attacked by... Fox News, Fox and Friends did a whole segment on how this is terrible advice to be giving children. What? Because if you tell kids you're special, then they feel they don't have to do anything. You know, they don't have to push themselves to learn or to do anything because I'm special just the way I am. Yeah, if you work with a lazy millennial, blame Mr. Rogers. How do you take a very upbeat, (laughs) important message for little kids, right? And turn it into something good, diabolical. Good God. Only Fox could do it. Yeah. yeah. But anyhow, if you have a chance to see it, it's really it's it's beautiful. And he was uh, he was quite a, uh, a quite a, a pioneer in terms of television uh, and taking television and say no, television doesn't have to be just people throwing pies at each other like the early television. Television can be something positive for kids. And he came up with that program. Incredible. But yeah, let's start where we start with. Rod Rosenstein was Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, who goes in front of the public at just about noon on Friday. And he announces, first of all, here's what we found, um, that these members of the GRU were conducting this massive fishing expedition uh, on uh, the DNC, Democratic National Committee, and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Campaign Committee, uh, Deputy Attorney General. Rod Rosenstein. The defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 
presidential election. Yeah. And uh, back to Rosenstein, their goal was to influence the outcome of the election. The goal of the conspirators was to have an impact in the election. What impact they may have had or what their uh, motivation may have been independently of what's required to prove this offense is a matter of speculation. That's not our responsibility. So uh, it's a 29-page indictment. I read the entire indictment last night, and it is what it, it is stunning in its detail. First of all, it names these 12 individuals by name, rank, and serial number, and who they work for, members of the Russian military, right? So these are not just some wackos in Russia who happen to be in Russia who are doing this. No, these are members of the Russian military, Russian government, Vladimir Putin's soldiers who were doing this. Names them by names, and it shows how they hacked into persons, several individuals' emails, and the emails of the DNC and the DCCC. Uh, starting, they started in the Clinton campaign. They, they were, so they were doing some preliminary stuff uh, in March, up in April, and in June. And when they and they were getting everything in place. And when they really, this is so important. The indictment lays out when they really started. Their massive operation was July twenty seven, two thousand and sixteen. July twenty seven. 2016 just happens to be the same day that Donald Trump at a news conference in Florida comes out and says, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. All right, so you tell me, boy, far from me to accuse anybody of anything, you tell me whether that's just a coincidence that the whole Russian operation started the day candidate Donald Trump said, if you're listening, Russia, go after Hillary's emails. And guess what? They did. It's Uh, pretty remarkable that they have it pinpointed to that moment. To that date, yes. Because that's... Pretty clear that he had something to do with it. Well, I mean, I, he, I'm sure he could probably plead that it was, you know, inadvertent and that he wasn't, didn't actually think they were going to do it, whatever. But they did. They did. They did. Yeah. And then the documents go into, I mean, if you have a chance, just go online. You can pull them up from the Department of Justice website. And then they go, in, they, they go into such detail about exactly how the spear phishing operated, uh, a spear phishing operation worked. You know, they stole. They went in and they stole passwords. They would send fake emails and get people to respond using different names. They, they and they tell all of this. They almost tell you like what button they pushed to get in, and they would send an email to so and so under a different name, getting trying to get them to respond so they could steal their passwords, gain access to their uh, to their email accounts, um, and they um, and then somehow if they were doing it so widespread that they actually kind of got caught. People started getting suspicious that they were being hacked. And so these then these Russian military, they, they, they did something very clever. They came up and said, oh, we looked into this. There's a guy from Romania named Guccifer 2.0. That's who was doing this. 
and they put this phony thing up there. Remember, we heard about Guccifer too, right? Well, he he was he didn't exist. So they said it was no it had nothing to do with Russia. There's this guy in Romania, a 400 pound guy in his in his underwear right, sitting in his, right. in his in his in his basement. Um, and they uh, and uh, by the way, so then it also lays out that they were in direct contact with some certain people. Uh, one guy named Roger Stone. Yes, direct contact with Roger Stone. They used bitcoins to pay for some of these to build up a server in Malaysia. I knew I hated Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, they actually, some reporters actually got in touch with them and said, if you have any hot stuff, give it to me. A guy from uh, Breitbart. Mm-hmm. And then uh, an organization pops up called WikiLeaks, and WikiLeaks gets in touch with them and says, hey, if you got anything hot, give it to us right now because it's two days before the Democratic convention, and we need to we need to get it and drop it right now. And of course, they did, and WikiLeaks did, and then the whole thing uh, un- unravels. Again, it is twenty nine pages. It is unbelievably detailed, and it's signed by Robert Mueller. Right. So this investigation goes on and on and on. And by the way. What does that amount to now? I looked, out, I looked it up last night. So far, in just a little over a year, just about a year, Robert Mueller has uh, racked up indictments or guilty pleas on 32 people and three different companies. Those 32 people are 26 Russian nationals. Remember, it's this 12, and then there were 14 before. Four former members of the Trump team, Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, George Papadopoulos, and Michael Flynn. Three Russian companies, one uh, California lawyer, that guy that worked for Roger Stone, and one uh, Dutch attorney who already served his time. I think he served uh, 30 days and then was... was He's already out. Yeah, Yeah. right. Already out. But that's 35 indictments or guilty pleas. And what does Donald Trump call it? Still calls it a witch hunt. It's just the opposite of a witch hunt. And this, these indictments prove it. And the White House response, so Donald Trump's response was to call it uh, a witch hunt. The White House response was to say, hey, did you notice? No Americans were named in these indictments. They were all Russians. There was not one word in the official White House response to say what Russia did was wrong. This proves that Russia was trying to interfere in the election, which it does. Not a word about Russia. All it was was, hey, there are no Americans named here, so we might as well shut down the Mueller investigation. Donald Trump will never admit that Russia was doing this because he sees any idea that Russia was interfering in the 2016 election as proof that he did not win it legitimately. It's all about his ego and Yet, today, he has still not acknowledged what the 17 intelligence agencies have told us that Russia did, what the Senate Intelligence Committee has told us what Russia did, now what the Robert Mueller latest indictments indictments show and prove that Russia did, or that the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coats, who is part of the Trump administration, may I remind you, who said a couple of days ago that Russia is the greatest enemy we face, that it is the biggest foe that we face, that what he's hearing today about Russia, what Russia is up to, 
is reminds him of the threat this country faced on September 11, 2001, and Donald Trump shrugs it off. And with that, Donald Trump goes in to see Vladdy today, and he was asked by Jeff Glor from CBS, um, well, do you think, no, he's asked at the um, news conference first, uh, last week with uh, Prime Minister um, uh, Theresa May, are you going to ask Vladimir Putin about meddling in the election? I will absolutely bring that up. I don't think you'll have any, uh, gee, I did it, I did it, you got me. There won't be a Perry Mason here, I don't think, but you never know what happens, right? But I will absolutely, firmly ask the question. Oh, boy. How tough can you get, right? Whoa, oh, man. <sighs> Actually. My concerns uh, have been addressed. I feel a lot safer, don't you, Bill? Yeah. Actually, uh, he has already said, he's already said, I asked Vladimir Putin about it, and he told me he didn't do it, and I believe him. Case closed. Case closed. He has said that at least on more than one occasion. So now he may or may not raise it. Honestly, do you believe he's going to raise it? I don't. Uh, certainly, do you believe he's going to raise it in any tough way uh, in any, and, and really demand to know what was going on and say, look, we've got the goods on you? You know, uh, uh, several people said this uh, I talked to over the weekend. He could he could have taken if Donald Trump had said about his response to this Department of Justice report was now we got the goods now we got the proof and I'm going to shove it in Putin's face and I'm going to find out what the hell were you up to what were you doing how dare you try to interfere in our election and we will, we cannot tolerate this won't tolerate it again boom 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 oh no instead Donald Trump says oh, I might bring it up I might not in fact Jeff Glor from CBS News. Uh, in a special interview on, on Friday up at Turnberry in Scotland. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, he asked him whether you were going to, I think we have the audio for that, but I saw it. He said, are, are you going to um, ask him about extraditing those 12 people who were just indicted? Are you going to ask Putin if he would extradite them uh, to the United States so they can be put on trial? And, and Trump said, huh. Honestly, he said, huh, I hadn't thought about that. I might. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The most important thing we've heard out of the Mueller investigation so far, uh, naming names and rank and serial number, and Donald Trump haven't, hadn't even thought about whether or not he might, uh, he might ask him. And then, uh, in that same interview with Jeff Glor, uh, the president has asked about, so this comes on the heels, of course, of the NATO meeting. Um, and his visit to the EU, where famously we know uh, Prime Minister uh, Theresa May throws a big dinner in his honor, and the middle of the dinner uh, comes out an interview where uh, he, uh, you know, criticizes is not strong enough. He really attacked Theresa May, basically saying she was an idiot. She didn't take his advice about a handle about handle how to handle Brexit. Uh, she says that his advice actually was to sue the EU. At any rate, he dumped all over her in this interview with the sun. I mean, it with was so bad. It was so bad, exactly. Uh, and Donald Trump is just uh, on that point. So Donald Trump was asked at the news conference with Prime Minister uh, about his criticism of the Prime Minister. She's standing right alongside of him. And, of course, Donald Trump pretends that he never said any of it. 
I didn't criticize uh, the Prime Minister. I have a lot of respect for the Prime Minister. And um, unfortunately, there was a story that was done, uh, which was, you know, generally fine, but it didn't put in what I said about the Prime Minister. And I said tremendous things. Uh, well, no, he didn't. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. And in fact, The Sun, which is Rob- Rupert Murdoch's paper, Donald Trump's buddy, they put out a statement saying, no, Mr. President. You did criticize uh, Theresa May, and you didn't say anything good about her in the interview. And reporters, uh, and then the White House says, we'll prove it. Sir Huckabee Sanders says, we'll prove it. We'll release the entire video of that uh, interview, which they still haven't done. Still waiting. They're still waiting. They haven't done, and they won't do because he he did not say. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's It's a a total, total total lie. So again, back to uh, then the uh, the president is asked by Jeff Glor of CBS. So, um, who do you think today? This is coming just coming after the NATO meeting and his and his talks with Prime Minister Theresa May about the EU. Who do you think are the biggest foes facing the United States today? I think we have a lot of foes. I think the European Union is a foe. What they do to us in trade. The European Union. Is a foe. Oh my God! Right, I mean we're talking now. Our enemy. He's identifying our enemy. Right. He doesn't mention Russia. He doesn't mention China. He doesn't mention North Korea. He mentions France. Who are the members of the EU? Think about it. France and Germany and Spain, Finland, where he is right now, and Norway. And the EU, at least until they figure out what they're going to do about Brexit. Uh, And, you know, go down the list. These These are the strongest allies the United States has for Donald Trump. No, uh, they are our foes. Uh, And again, having wrecked NATO, uh, wrecked that meeting, alienated everybody, uh, Donald Trump tells Jeff Glor that actually this meeting out of NATO... Uh, NATO is now stronger than it ever was before. NATO is, uh, I think, never been stronger. And it was really, it was a little bit tough at the beginning, and it turned out to be love. You know, he, <laughs> he just lives in this parallel universe, right? He attacks Prisa uh, May, and then he says, oh, our relationship has never been stronger. Same thing with Angela Merkel. He attacks her, and then he comes out and says... Uh, you know, Trace, uh, Angela and I, we, we just get along so well, and everything with Germany is a great country, and everything is good. And then, you know, it uh, says NATO is useless, NATO is worse than NAFTA. Then it comes out and says, oh, now NATO is stronger than ever. I mean, yeah. you know, it, does he do this deliberately, or does he just not think, and does he just not know what the hell he's saying? I, I actually gotta, ha- you have a wonder. You I don't know. I, I go through that. Just about every day, because it's just about every day that we have a situation like this, where he's either lying, he's a compulsive liar, and he's been able to get away with it for so long as a private citizen and as a politician, because I don't think that the press is nearly hard enough on Donald Trump. Uh, So he's either a compulsive liar, or he just has some major mental issues where he just can't remember what he said. Yeah. And it's one of those two things. And both of them should give us great concern that he is the leader of the country. 
Absolutely. And I'm I'm afraid I lean more and more toward the latter, you know. Me too. Almost actually. like an early dementia. I know? agree. I 100% agree. Yeah. That he has no idea what he said from one minute to the next. And he also thinks he can just, if, if he can say something outrageous and then deny he said it and yeah. forget that we've got the tape and he thinks he's. It's a bad combination of being so powerful and so beloved by the media for so long. I mean, whether or not you think he's a bad guy, the media has always loved Trump. They still love Trump because he's good for ratings. Right. So it's a bad combination of that, plus clearly he's slipping mentally. So he just gets to run wild. Uh, and so um, there's one big question um, you might have. Um, why, if the meeting with uh, the UK, the Queen, the, the meeting with the Prime Minister, the dinner the night before, and then tea with the Queen, that was interesting, by the way. I um, know <laughs> you know that, yeah, he saw the Queen. Prince Philip didn't show up. Neither did Prince Charles, neither did Prince William, neither did Prince Harry. No other member of the royal family showed up. You know why? Because they all said they didn't want to meet him. They didn't even want to shake his hand. The queen, who's met every president since Harry Truman, except for LBJ. She never met LBJ for some reason. Um, But she didn't snub him. It just never happened. Uh, But at any rate, uh, she did her duty she went there and walked him around for about 10 minutes. Nobody else would show up. But you may wonder why it took so long from that meeting. Why three days before they sat down with Vladimir Putin? Well, the World Cup may have been one factor in it. But the real factor is, because it was Friday and Saturday they could have met, the real factor is Donald Trump wanted to spend a few days playing golf at his golf course, Turnberry. There are about six occasions before he got there, where Donald Trump at official at official appearances, news conferences and and just comments to reporters and everything, he went out of his way to praise what a great place uh, Turnberry was. He said it was magical, um, one of the places he enjoyed magical, one of the places that he enjoyed the most in the world, and so successful and so popular. Uh, one of two golf resorts that uh, Donald Trump has. Uh, actually, the New York Times did a little visit, uh, and they've called the entire European uh, trip a nothing, little more than an infomercial for a money-losing resort. Um, it turns out that uh, back in 2014, Donald Trump bought and renovated um, Turnberry, um, he spent about 200 million pounds, which is $264 million, buying it and renovating it, and it has lost nothing but money since. Every year, the last year for which they have any numbers, in 2016, uh, Turnberry lost 17 million pounds. Uh, I don't know what that amounts to in terms of dollars, uh, but um, here it is. 24 point million. Uh, it is a uh, not a money-making operation. So Donald Trump basically was over there doing what he does in Washington probably once a week, goes to his hotel to give it a little publicity, doing what he does almost every weekend in the summer, going up to Bedminster, New Jersey to give his Trump golf course up there a little publicity, and doing what he does in the winter, at least every other weekend, going down to Mar-a-Lago, Florida to give his golf course down there. A little publicity. 
again, what's the Trump presidency all about? It is making as much money as he can while president and trying to prop up his failing properties around the globe. So, By the way, think about that. All the way. Think about all the taxpayer dollars yeah. you spent to send Donald Trump to Europe. And what was it all about? Make more money for Turnberry. That's really all it was. That's really all it was. All the money that you pay in taxes, think about this boondoggle for Donald Trump to go over and hawk and uh, promote his failing golf course. That's that's what we're paying taxes for. That's what we're paying taxes for. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and by the way- You guys okay with that, with your MAGA hats? I hope hats? everybody's okay with that. With, yeah, that? with the MAGA hats? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and by the way, dumbass wearing a MAGA hat, you may not realize- Air Force One ain't cheap. Okay, it's not like wow, it's not like Ryanair. <laughs> it's not even like flying first class on United. No, Air Force One ain't cheap, but you are paying for it, suckers. We uh, sadly, we all are. Lots coming up here. We uh, Jason Dick is going to be joining us at the very end from a roll call. Victoria Jones. We'll be here from D.C. Radio Company as a friend of Bill for the next hour. Um, For the next half hour, Max Bergman joins us from the Center for American Progress, head of the Moscow Project there, with all of his insights into what this Russian summit now underway is all about and what it might produce. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, great to have you with us on a Monday, Monday, July 16, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The good members of the uh, AFT, the American Federation of Teachers, our sponsors for today, just coming off their great big convention uh, out in um, Chicago or the Midwest somewhere, maybe Cleveland. Uh, But they were uh, joined by Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, great big lineup of uh, speakers uh, under the leadership, of course, of uh, President Randy Weingarten of the AFT, making a difference in our classrooms every day. Check out their website at AFT.org. Joining us in studio, Max Bergman, a perfect day for you to come in. Uh, He's head of the Moscow Project at uh, the Center for American Progress, and we want to get your take on this big meeting that's now underway, what might come out of it, Max, and also... Uh, the Russian indictments on Friday, but we've been uh, chugging away for about here for about forty minutes so far uh, with generating some comments. Peter, yes, indeed, we are on Twitter. I was out for a week and I did not check Twitter at all, basically. But wrote, which is uh, pretty Ray great, pretty Ray, great. Yeah, no, yeah. I just meant like I. Oh, you mean following yes, the news? Yes. Just me personally, it was really great to not <laughs> even look at Twitter. Uh, so, a couple of comments from you all from what we've been talking about so far this morning. We were wondering whether or not Donald Trump was a compulsive liar or mentally impaired. Uh, Walker Ogden says, "How about both? He seems to be a compulsive liar and." Mentally impaired. Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. Uh, our friend Romaine, our buddy Romaine in Chicago, says, I wonder what would have happened if... He, I like how he, he always calls Donald Trump Fat Donnie Two Scoops. <laughs> I wonder what would have happened if Fat Donnie Two Scoops oh. had just left Comey alone to do his investigation if all of this would have even happened. Seems to me the FBI was ready to leave it all under wraps because, you know, we never did hear anything from Russia, which is not a bad point. 
Mm -hmm. And on this big summit with Vladimir Putin or meeting or summit, whatever you want to call it, Susan Shepard wonders, is it a summit or a submit to instructions? (laughs) If you have a comment for us, the best way to do it is to find us on Twitter at BP Show. BP Show. We're checking that all throughout the day. By the way, I did see today that um, somebody did what you and I talked about doing. We talked about doing uh, for our show, but somebody did a crowdfunding uh, for the blimp, and there the baby th- Trump blimp. There's going to be a baby Trump blimp. Nice. I don't know where Washington, where, but somewhere I didn't. I got. I love ch- it. Check check out that story. I, I saw will. it somewhere. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, so Max Bergman, head of the Moscow Project at the Center for American Progress. The New York Times this morning in his lead story says that when Putin sits down, and he's already there mm-hmm. with Donald Trump, once he sits down with Donald Trump today, quote, he will have already accomplished, just by sitting down with Trump, he will already have accomplished virtually everything he could reasonably hope for. That's right. You know... You agree? Yes. Vladimir Putin and, and Russia... We, wants to be seen as as if they were the Soviet Union again, that they are, you know, on sort of par with the United States, that they are one of the great superpowers. And let's be clear, Russia isn't. Their economy is basically around the size of Spain or Portugal. They uh, Their population has shrunk over the last uh, 25 years. This is not the same uh, country uh, during the, as it was during the Soviet Union when it had uh, was much bigger, was much more influential, had sort of an ideological pull that uh, pulled uh, a, a good sizable chunk of the world. And so Vladimir Putin wants to be seen, wants to re- uh, rekindle Russia's geopolitical position. And so by giving him sort of this audience, especially after the last three years, and we have to remember, or the last four years, that they invaded Ukraine, they intervened in Syria, they intervened not just in our election, but in the French election and a number of other elections around Europe. So this is a country that has done you know, four right. years of bad behavior and yeah. yet is sort of being acknowledged and recognized as being this great power. And so this is this is a diplomatic coup for, for Putin. So he does all of these things wrong, right? Bad stuff, right? Yeah. Invaded, pardon me, invading Ukraine. They're still there, I think. Yeah. Seizing Crimea, annexing Crimea, a hostile act for sure, uh, intervening in Syria against our interests, mm-hmm. uh, right, in, uh, not to mention the other countries, but yeah. uh, meddling in our election, um, no doubt about that. Uh, and after all of that stuff, he walks into buddy-buddy with Donald Trump. Right. And so, so the reason why people are so terrified, and why I'm so terrified about what's going to happen over the next uh, few hours in this summit, and I, you know, I read a story. Is that, it a summit or a meeting? I, I, I mean, I think you could call it. It, it sort of depends on uh, how big you want to make it. I think the president and and Putin both want this to be called a summit, and I think it depends on what this what comes out of this. Uh, but I think the reason why everyone's holding their breath is because uh, they're really. You know, for the United States, this is about Russia changing its behavior over the last four years, agreeing, agreeing to sort of climb down in Ukraine uh, to to remove its forces or stop backing. Uh, there's a violent conflict still going on in eastern Ukraine about it, Russia changing its behavior. But instead, everything that's being discussed here is about the United States making some concession. And there's no reason for the United States to make a concession. This should really be about standing up to someone who's out of line in Vladimir Putin and redrawing red lines and saying, if you intervene in our election coming up, 
you, it will have immense consequences for you, making sure that you're deterring them. And that, but that's not what's going to be discussed here. Well, clearly, that's not what Donald Trump is thinking going into the summit. He texted this morning, maybe it was yesterday, about um, the fact that the reason our relations with Russia are not better has nothing to do with what Russia did. It's all about what we have done or are doing. Yeah. Peter? Yeah, Donald Trump uh, on Twitter. Let's first of all start with this was a tweet about five hours ago, so in the middle of the night. Our relationship with Russia has never, all capital letters, yeah. never been worse thanks to many years of U.S. foolishness and stupidity, and now yeah. the rigged witch hunt. Yeah, I mean, let's. So we're stupid. We've been foolish, stupid, stupid, the whole thing. Russia did nothing wrong. We've done everything wrong. And now the Robert Mueller investigation is responsible for the fact that we don't have a better relationship with right. Russia. Let, let's be clear. Jesus. Yeah. It, this, for the last 20... They hack into our election, right? They undermine our democracy. We dare look into it to see what they were up to, and we're we're harming our relationship with Russia. Right. It's all our fault. Let's go back to the beginning. Blame America first. Isn't it what they used to accuse liberals yeah. of? Right. They, yes. when, when Obama bowed uh, to meet the Japanese <laughs> emperor, he was yeah. accused of treason. Yeah. And I think it's worth going back to the beginning of the Obama administration. That for 20 years, the United States, after the Cold War, had tried to integrate Russia into Europe, tried to be uh, friends with Russia, essentially. And Russia, in 2008, had invaded its neighboring country, Georgia, but the Obama administration tried to reset its mm -hmm. policy, mm -hmm. basically sort of say, okay, let's let bygones be bygones. We know you have some complaints with us. We have complaints with you. Let's sort of start anew. And what happened after that four years of trying to be friends with Russia is that Russia essentially knifed us they, we, uh, over Ukraine, uh, intervening mm -hmm. in, in our election. And so this is about Russia rejecting us. We tried to have a good relationship with Russia, and it failed. And that's what Republicans, Mitt Romney, were so vocal at saying in 2012. And the thing is, they weren't actually wrong. Right. And so what's so shocking is to have a Republican president come here and say, no, 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 no. This is all America's fault. Blaming America here. This isn't putting America first. This is everything that Trump has done as president has essentially backed up Russia's foreign policy goals, advanced Russian interests. And it's really quite troubling, quite disturbing to hear this sort of language from the president. Right. And, you know, the, now he Trump does make one point that I'd give him, which is that this and his response to these Russian indictments and Friday, we'll get to that, too, is when he says, well, all that happened when Obama was president and he didn't do much about it. By the way, you know what? He didn't. And I, yeah. I mean, I was covering the White House at the time, and I said on this show several times, you know, Obama's kind of really should be raising hell about this. Instead, I think uh, in a side meeting yeah. with Putin one time, he said, knock it off. Yeah. Right. And I think Trump is probably right when he says that Obama didn't do it because he was afraid. Well, you can tell us, right? Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that the Obama administration should have done way more. You know, I, I think they definitely took uh, some significant action. Look, we're providing hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, support Ukraine's military. Mm -hmm. We uh, did the uh, spent. We're now spending billions more on European security. That was done after uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. So the Obama administration did take action. The problem was that during the election, they couldn't really fathom that a, a foreign country would intervene in our election. Why? 
because we're the United States of America. To intervene and in our, attack our democracy is incredibly risky. We, you know, we could respond in all in a number of different ways, uh, and I think they were just completely slow to react. They were then caught, you know, six cuts, uh, caught sort of, you know, uh, questioning whether they should intervene because, well, that could, could be seen as intervening on behalf of Hillary Clinton. And so Mitch McConnell steps in and basically says that if you do intervene, we'll accuse you of that. And so they did nothing they thinking knew. she was going to win. They, that's right. They thought she was going to win. We all did. Yeah. And they thought that uh, they were correctly, I think, as you point out, that if he said anything, people would accuse him of of trying to rig the election yeah. in her favor. Right. Donald Trump would have been the loudest of all. And, yeah, but it wasn't just Donald Trump. It was Mitch McConnell, was other yeah. Republicans that refused to sort of actually speak out about this. And so the Republicans, you know, it takes two to make something bipartisan. And Republicans refused to make this a bipartisan uh, call for Russia to stay out of our election during the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was com- meetings and conversations September and October uh, of 2016. But ultimately, they made the wrong call. They should have spoke up really loudly. They should have responded vigorously at the time. Okay, let's go back to, uh, and Peter, let's pull up uh, Rod Rosenstein again, making the big announcement on Friday, naming names, rank, and serial number uh, with these 12 indictments. Uh, Here's the Deputy Attorney General. The defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. So how important is this and what do these indictments tell us? This is extremely important. Look, what the, one of the main new things that came out of this, you know, we knew that the Russians had hacked uh, the Democratic Party. They had hacked the Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, and then released those emails through WikiLeaks. We, we all knew that. And that was incredibly damaging, cl- incredibly influential in the election. What we didn't quite know was the scope of the Russian attack on the Democratic Party itself. That they had, even after they had been revealed, the Russians sought their way back into the Democratic Party systems. We know now that in September they were stealing DNC analytics. And what that essentially means is their battle, their campaign strategy, their their field tactics, their opposition research. All of this information uh, the Russians were stealing up until October. And what's important to, I think, understand here is that this information in and of itself wouldn't be that important to the Russians. You know, what are the Russian, what is Russian intel going to do with DNC field yeah, tactics? Yeah. But that is immense value to the opponents of the Democratic Party, the opponents of Hillary Clinton, in this case, Donald Trump and the Republican Party. So what this indictment... Were be- they giving that information so to the... So what this, ind- I think the next big question is what information was actually shared, uh, was information actually shared between the Russians and uh, and the Republicans and, and, and Donald Trump. The indictment also highlights that a congressional candidate sought yeah. out Russian intelligence to get... Uh, Do we know who that was? We don't know yet. There's a lot of speculation going around online. Uh, there's been a lot of denials. But if a candidate sought out help from Russian intelligence and then received that help... Uh, that to me looks like a crime, and let's also be clear: there had been a lot of reporting uh, by August that Russian intelligence was Guccifer, so it was the 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 front that this person reached out to. So this suggests that there's going to be a lot of future indictments of American citizens. This was sort of laying the predicate that there's a, a conspiracy against the United States, and therefore any American, I think, going forward, that's 
uh, participated, okay. aided, and abetted will be implicated. All right. Now, the the without naming him by name, uh, it's pretty, and he's admitted Roger Stone. Yes, yeah. was one of the people that was in touch with them. Yes. So Roger Stone uh, is is has acknowledged that his that he's included in this indictment yeah. of the Russians. His claim is that oh, this was not illegal. Everything I did was. Mm-hmm. I think we shall see, and my guess is that Roger Stone's time in the barrel will come, and that what this essentially indicates is that if Roger Stone was communicating back and forth, let's let's understand the time frame here. Then August, Roger Stone tweets out, John Podesta's time in the barrel is coming. Right. John Podesta doesn't know what he's talking about, because John Podesta, who was hacked in March of 2016... And by August, still has no idea that he's been hacked. Only knows, only learns that he's been hacked when it appears on the internet mm-hmm. by WikiLeaks on October seventh. So, how does Roger Stone know nearly two months before John Podesta? And I think it's safe to assume that he learned from Russian intelligence. Sure, and was absolutely. Then in, and Roger Stone was in constant contact with not just the Trump campaign, but with Donald Trump and with WikiLeaks. And with WikiLeaks, right? So, yeah. so what we are looking at here is a vast. Russian conspiracy against the United States is outlined in the indictment. But we now know that there's more than 80 contacts, there's more than 20 meetings between the Trump campaign and Russian government associates during the uh, the campaign and the transition. So it seems pretty clear that they were they were in constant contact. So they the that the Trump campaign must have learned what was coming. They must have known what was going to happen. Uh, and then base their campaign around it. So, uh, you know, I, I took the time to read all 29 pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's stunning yeah. the specificity of who did it and how they did it and who was in contact with them, uh, including some reporters, which yeah. have, we haven't talked about yet. Um, I mean, to me, this is kind of like the final nail in the coffin for Russia. You know, you had the Senate Intelligence Committee, right. the 17 U.S. intelligence agencies, but nothing with this Detail, amount of detail, right? Yeah. There's no doubt what Russia was up to. No. And, and what, the president's response is still calling the Mueller thing a witch hunt. Right. I mean, if anything, this proves just the opposite. Yeah. Right? It, no, it, it's the, the level of specificity uh, is immensely challenging. Let's be clear. We knew at the time, and I was in government, it was clear, it was clear to people. You were at the State Department. I was at the State Department that mm-hmm. Russia was behind this. And, you know, the intelligence community, when it came out with its report, assessed with high confidence. Now, what is extremely challenging from taking something from the intelligence world to the justice, uh, to the the legal world, where you actually have to Mm. prove beyond a reasonable doubt, is identifying the specific individuals. You can say, okay... We we kind of know that this is a Russian hacker, but they probably we probably don't know who. But to get down to that level mm-hmm. of specificity, the individuals, the individual units, and what that means is that U.S. intelligence was deep inside this Russian operation. We know uh, a vast amount of not just the Russian hacking, but also the Americans that they were interacting with. And any American, anyone on the Trump campaign, Donald Trump himself who interacted with the Russians, should be really nervous. And I think when you look at the president's tweets, his, his vitriolic attacks, his, his, the increasing sort of uh, uh, chaotic nature of his response, his panic, it, you can sort of sense the panic. And why? Because Donald Trump knows this isn't a witch hunt. Donald Trump knows that the U.S. government, the U.S. intelligence community, and now the justice system knows what he did, and he's really freaking out about it. Right. So what... what 
we know, of course, the thing about Robert Mueller, as we've said many times, is he's the only person in Washington who can keep a secret. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of have no idea what's coming up next. Uh, on these indictments, before I ask you what's coming up next, do you, do you believe the timing could not have been of the release of these indictments on Friday noon, three days before the summit, could not have been worse or not better, depending on your point of view, right? But clearly, this was timed, or was it timed, to influence this meeting today? I think it's impossible for this to not have been timed yeah. uh, for yeah. this meeting. And that, I think, speaks volumes. You know, the yeah. re- Trump's defenders would say, oh, this was a big uh-huh. you know, middle finger from Mueller to, uh, to Trump, or would say, oh, look, this is political interference. No, I think what this was, was that they saw that a summit was coming up that a president who was denying the basic facts of Russian inter- interference. And this wasn't just a decision on the part of Rod Rosenstein and Mueller to release indictments. Because what they, what's included in these indictments are demonstrate that U.S. intel knew all this. So what does that mean? By making this public, it means that Russia is going to change up what its, what its current uh, uh, tactics and techniques. And so that means they had to have buy-in from the intelligence community. Dan Coats, the director of national intelligence, had to know. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Dan Coats, Trump's uh, director of national intelligence, gave a speech on Friday after the indictments that basically said it's blinking red, that it looks like Russia's going to attack us again. So, So the fact that Rosenstein brief Trump before he left, which had to have been Monday. Yeah. And then Rosenstein's final comment at his press conference was basically said, you know, when I asked about the timing said, the president is going to have to make important decisions on behalf of the country. And, and essentially that it's important for him to know uh, all these facts. And so I think this was clearly timed ahead of the summit that the Justice Department, and the intelligence community are freaked out by what Trump might do in the summit that in this meeting that he's in right now. Okay, so if this if Mueller dropped this bomb on Friday, uh, it clearly shows that his operation is nowhere near. I would I would argue nowhere near winding down. No, would you agree? Yeah, I think. And so what? Where where do we go next? Do we next can we expect to see names of these Americans who were not named in this indictment, but sort of the other side of the coin? Yeah, I is think, that what you expect? Yeah, or? I think I think this was sort of uh, either the final act, or the final scene in Act One, or sort of mm-hmm. you know yeah. Act Two. But there's a third act coming, and the third act is going to be about the American citizens that were involved in this. What is laid out, not just in this indictment, but in previous indictments as well, is clear coordination between the Trump campaign and the Russians, Americans that clearly uh, have violated the law, uh, and that. Those indictments are coming. We know that that Robert Mueller is deep inside the Trump campaign. We know this because of people who have been interviewed, of former Trump campaign associates, said he knew more about what I did on the campaign than I did, or would say that he the amount he knew was just jaw dropping. So we know that Robert Mueller is deep inside the Trump campaign. We now know that he's deep inside what Russian intel was doing. And so I think where this is leading is about the American citizens that were involved. What he's done is said that there's a conspiracy against the United States. He's proven that, the Russian conspiracy. And now it's about any Americans that aided or abetted that conspiracy. And, you know, there's a lot more coming here. 
And I think what we see from Trump is that he's very nervous about where this is going. Yeah, I was on CNN Friday with a Trumper, and he kept saying, oh, this is nothing, no collusion, no collusion. And you know what I can say? No collusion yet, Yeah. right? But this thing is far from over. Yeah, and let's be clear, you know, when we think about the, that famous June 9th meeting that was set up by John Don Jr. with Manafort yeah, and yes, Kushner at Trump with Tower. the Russians, that has never been alluded to by Robert Mueller. That has only been made public by the New York Times, by Donald mm-hmm. Trump Jr. himself. And what we know is that meeting was likely illegal. Why? Because they were the Trump campaign was seeking out uh, essentially materials from Russian government that they could use for an election, something of value that they could use during right. an election. That meeting was collusion. So <laughs> Robert Mueller hasn't gone there yet. But yeah. when Robert Mueller does, it's going to be really damning. And I think just one last point is that... We're running out of time. You come back. Give us your last point when you come (laughs) back again, because we're going to continue talking about that. Great, great work, Max. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks so much. Center for American Progress, AmericanProgress.org. Victoria Jones joining us next. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, whatever you call it, the summit, the meeting, or the big cave-in, the big giveaway is underway in Helsinki, Finland, everybody. Hell. Hold on to your hats. Uh, It is The Bill Press Show here on a Monday, Monday, July 16. Uh, Hello, hello. Great to see you today, and thank you for joining us. As we boom out to you live, as always, from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Hope you had a great weekend. Um, Watched some great soccer yesterday. Um, Football, maybe we should call it. Uh, (laughs) France over Croatia by a score of 44 to 2. And now, you know, it wasn't in the final bill. England wasn't. Oh, the oh, 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 really? Oh, oh. I just had to, because you seemed irked. I just had to mention it. Um, I mean, look, we weren't even in the World Cup at no, all. Trinidad so. and Tobago. <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. Yes. That's who beat you. I yeah. know. Yeah. Us. Right. Us. Excuse me. I'm an American. I, pardon me. <laughs> I'm okay. an American. Mer- I'm, I'm, I'm an American. Sure. American. Where's your, sure. MAGA, where's your MAGA hat? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, guess who's with us uh, for this uh, sure. for this hour as a friend of Bill, uh, at least uh, was, uh, until we throw her out of the studio. Uh, Victoria Jones from TC Radio Company. Hello, hello. Hi. It's nice to see you. My, that was that's, great. That's my southern. Hi. Uh, hi. Hey, sweetie. How you doing? Hi. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you two southerners can uh, <laughs> hang out here together. All right, we've got so much to talk about and so much you are going to want to comment on. So send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And we will dive right into the summit and everything else in the news today. But first. (laughs) 
This is the Full Court Press. Yes, yes indeed. Just come up with the stories. Making news. Bill, I got an update. Yes. Uh-oh. You talked about the Trump baby blimp, which flew in England. Yes. It is coming to America. I can tell you some of the details. An it. activist actually put together a GoFundMe page to raise money for the Trump baby blimp. I'm jealous. We should have done it. How anyhow. much do you think it would cost? Oh, $10,000. $4,500. Oh, really? $4,500. I knew it wasn't that much money. But that much yeah, money. No. Uh, a, 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 uh, an activist from New Jersey is getting together with some other local organizers, and they are going to put up the Trump baby blimp. Where? Outside of the Bedminster Golf Club, the Trump National Golf Club. Perfect. They're going to put it right nice. there. Nice. He goes Perfect. there all the time. He's yeah. bound to see it. Uh, they put up the GoFundMe page asking for $4,500. He says within 22 hours, they reached their goal. They have contacted the manufacturer, and they will have the balloon, quote, by mid-August. By mid-August. So you can expect to see the Trump baby blimp in New Jersey. You know what? For me, I'm finishing my yogurt here. Uh, I think we should have more, several of those. Put them everywhere. So that everywhere he goes, <laughs> yeah. there's a baby blimp. Totally. I think that's a great get idea. Get one for Mar-a-Lago, get one for everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been into a WeWork? It's like a uh, workspace. Yes. Yeah, WeWork. It's sort of like you can rent office space yes. for by the hour or whatever. Uh, you can go in there and, and work. Well, Just here's the something thing. about the name WeWork we would work. repel me. WeWork. Yeah. Well, here's the we thing. We play? I'll e- go. Employees of <laughs> WeWork you. are now banned from eating meat. Here's the deal. You can no longer bring meat into WeWork. The company will no longer have meat at any of the company events. And if you go out to eat to lunch or to dinner with a client and you have a receipt to get reimbursed, they will not reimburse you if you ate meat. Oh, you can't do that. And well, that's exactly what they're doing. The company is banning employees from expensing meals that contain red meat, pork, or poultry. They will also no longer provide meat for events at any of its 400 locations. I can and they see say that, but you can't prevent okay, people so from Okay, so I'll eating. tell you what they should ban. Because I went to a, a WeWork meeting mm-hmm. about three months ago. 15 seconds. And? Fries, because the office smells of French fries. I mean, there are worse things to smell. Yeah. What's wrong with French fries? Because you, you meet in small cubicles and you're enclosed. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. You have a fry. <laughs> but no meat. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Hot time in Helsinki. Yeah, how much is Trump going to give away before the damn thing ends? Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Monday, Monday, July 16. Hello, hello. Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show. And we are joining you everywhere in this great land of ours, coast to coast. Joining you online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Don't forget to check out our podcast. Podcasts are hot these days. And our podcast is growing leaps and bounds every day. Uh, just go to BillPressShow.com and uh, sign up. Don't forget to sign up. That way you get all of our updates during the day and the special stuff they, that we put up on weekends. Uh, also, we're joining you on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and out in the greater Chicago area on the one and only WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. Here is a friend of Bill for the entire hour, our good friend, from DC Radio Company, 
uh, and a fellow traveler down at the White House, sometimes at least, Victoria Jones. Hi, Victoria. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. What's going on? I, I have an outrage that I've got. I've just got to. I've got to get off my chest. Okay. Does it, this have to do with a cat? No, it doesn't oh, actually. It oh, doesn't okay. have to do with a cat. Oh, no. all right. No, it, we it, always, no, it doesn't. We talk cats a lot. But we anyhow. do talk cats a lot, and yeah. uh, I do have. I'm sure I do have cat news, mm-hmm. but this is not cat news. Okay. No. Yes. No. This is actually related mm-hmm. to the topic for which I was invited. Um, so I'm not. I'm not even going off topic. All right. Uh, this is related to the president's trip abroad. And specifically to the president's trip to the UK. Yes. So I have to rent. Well, good. I want you to rent. That's why you're here, because okay. you are an American, but you came from the UK. Okay. So there are protocols. Mm-hmm. And there is also courtesy. Yes. So Neither yeah. of which he displayed. No, he didn't. And so that's the point. And the thing is that... And he's still... Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got to start again. Okay. Big breath. Okay, first of all, you don't walk in front of a 92-year-old woman, whether she is the Queen of England and the Commonwealth, or whether she is a homeless woman on Pennsylvania Avenue. It is very rude. And I would say this if I were a Trump supporter. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You haven't met many Trump supporters. Because Trump supporters don't care what he does. It's not polite. It's, you're right about that. No, I agree with you. But uh, where I disagree is that any Trump supporter would criticize him for anything. But you don't know, what do you expect from him? He's it's a total rude. bore. He's yeah. a very total rude. a-hole. It's very rude. Breaking news. Donald Trump is rude. It's very rude. And yeah. by the way, yeah. the Sunday Times And what he said about Theresa May. It is astonishing. And he apparently, according to the British reporting, was mortified by this interview, which makes me wonder, where was he when the interview took place? He was mortified because it came out. Because it came out in the Rupert Murdoch Sun, which, by the way, is full of topless women showing their nipples. Not topless women the way we think of them in, in America. Oh, there was a topless woman. No, it was a topless woman with nipples all over the place in, in, the, in the sun. That's what you see in British topless papers. Nipples all over the place. Uh, okay. <laughs> they used to call it... Uh, <laughs> what was it? Tits and ass? Now it's tits yeah. and ass and nipples. Yeah, tits I guess and nipples so. And ass, I guess, yeah, right. I guess that's, so. That's, I mean, that's, that's, you know, so that's what he... That's, this is his paper. That, that is the murder so, paper. Uh, so here was, uh, here's Donald Trump. He was asked about, uh, at the press conference with Theresa May, while she's standing right alongside of him, what about all these critical things you said about her to the sun? Here's Donald Trump trying to run away from it. I didn't criticize uh, the prime minister. I have a lot of respect for the prime minister. And um, unfortunately, there was a story that was done, uh, which was, you know, generally fine, but it didn't put in what I said about the prime minister. And I said tremendous things. It's a lie. It's a lie. The, the star, the sun actually came out and said, that's a lie. Yes. What he said about her, the criticisms he said, and the nice things he supposedly said about her, he did not say. The, the tape was there. Yes. The tape exists. Yes. And now, I don't know whether at that point the White House press uh, and, and the foreign press had not heard the tape, but the tape was already out. Yes. And, and nobody, uh, but I, I did think that the British questions were very good. 
um, were, were very tough. He just, of course, ignored them. And then now the British reporting also is that Prince Charles and Prince William refused to meet with him. I was him. just going to ask you about that. Prince Charles and Prince William, and I assume Prince Harry... Prince Harry apparently had a private engagement. But Prince Philip didn't, wasn't there. Well, he's 92. He's officially retired. He does not do public engagements. However, the Sunday Times reported that if he feels like doing a public engagement, he bloody well will. No, I've seen him since he's retired. Yeah, if he wants to, he will. But But, he obviously didn't want to. But they are reporting uh, without denying... I mean, yeah, it is reported, it's, it's and, the, pa- and the, the, the palace palace is not denied that Prince William and Prince Charles basically said, "No, Mum, we're not coming. We're not coming." And this is very, this is very interesting because you know the Queen is normally not un- completely <laughs> unaccustomed. I mean, she she can do anything she likes, and she's perfectly capable of doing anything. She's met with every United States president since 1945, except for one, except Lyndon for Johnson, one. for Lyndon some Johnson. reason. Must she have didn't, been circumstances. Yeah, she didn't, sh- you know, say yeah. I don't want to meet with that guy. No, it, it just, just never happened. happened, right? But the, right. It, it was everyone since Harry Truman. Now, it's extraordinary. It's really extraordinary. Now Trump is said to have um, criticized Charles over his climate policy, um, you know, positions, but it's it's really. Uh, it's quite remarkable. Now, what I find equally remarkable, and I checked just within the last thirty minutes, President Trump has has congratulated Putin over the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He's issued numerous tweets about MS-13, all kinds of random things. He has not thanked the Queen. He has not praised Britain, and he has not thanked Theresa May for their hospitality. And you must say, and I mentioned this on Friday, that both Angela Merkel and Theresa May, I think, showed remarkable restraint and poise uh, in taking the high road in response to the low road comments by Donald Trump. You know, both of them sort of said, you know, we we, we look forward to working together, right, and that kind of thing, rather than stooping to his level. Right, but I d- give but them it credit. It doesn't but, get you anywhere. Oh, no, it doesn't get you anywhere. But, I mean, I think, you know, we stoop to his level, we all lose. Yeah, but uh, it's just astonishing that he didn't thank that. It's just that's a very good point. But you're right. Thank you. Look, I get his tweets. I mean, I wake up this morning. I had five, six tweets from Donald Trump early this morning. Of course, because before your coffee, before I woke, before you get out of bed, before my alarm went off. Right? Yeah, but of course, with that time change, he's ahead of us. So that wasn't that surprising. But I've so I see every tweet. There's not been. You're right. There's not been one tweet about the Queen. Nor thanks PM for a wonderful visit to no. the UK. And it really was no. rolled out, even though it was a working visit. It really was rolled out. That Blenheim Palace thing didn't need to happen. No, no, no. She went out of her way to yeah. to, to treat him well. By the way, um, so he didn't see a lot of, uh, uh, among other people he attacked, of course, was the mayor of London, right? Sadiq Khan. Yeah. Yeah, hugely popular. It's hugely popular. Uh, it Was it... Just by accident that Donald Trump didn't have time to spend any time uh, in London or driving through the streets of London? or No, it's the baby Trump limp. And the protests. Huh? And the protests. A lot of people yeah. turned out, yeah. yeah he had the to pictures of the away. protests were Huge. amazing. He says, of course, the, the people of the U.K. Love, love him because they all yeah. agree with him on Brexit. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't see that love. 
No, there were some very, like very funny pictures, actually. Very, very creative pictures of the protests. I thought so, yeah. yeah My favorite creative. was a sign that said, feed him to the corgis. Oh, really? I didn't <laughs> see that. Yeah, That's right. very funny. <laughs> very funny. Feed him, to, feed him to the corgis. Very right. funny. I know. So I, uh, I also heard, but I, I've not... Well, I'm not going to repeat it because I've not seen it corroborated. I've only heard right, one okay. reporting of it about right. the actual tea and what happened at the tea. Um, what? So, I, I look. I think the Brexit vote was, as an American, was a huge mistake on the part I of do the too. Brits. I think do it you? Was a mis- I think it was a huge mistake. Yeah. And I thought that Theresa May. I didn't like the fact that she was going along with it rather than calling for another vote. Maybe she had to. I, again, I don't want to get involved in internal British politics. But I did think that her way of sort of a soft Brexit, so retaining some relationship, trade relationship with EU, was a very smart thing to do. As a result of that, Boris Johnson resigns, and then Donald Trump praises him and says, oh, he'll be a, he'd be a great prime minister. Astonishing thing to say. Astonishing thing to say in another country. It was an astonishing insult to Theresa May. It's a, like a, uh, a it, president of another country who, who involved... Oh, God forbid, would get involved in our elections. No other, no other country would do that. We know that. It's <clears throat> astonishing. No, I but mean, openly to openly, uh, openly to take sides, really, in an in an internal um, political matter. Uh, it's it's astonishing, and uh, well, it, you know, Jaguar Land Rover and Airbus have both said how much this is would dam will damage them a hard Brexit and they've said that they they have said that they could leave Britain completely whoa with whoa. a hard Brexit really yes really so the Rolls Jaguar Land Jaguar, Rover Land Rover and, and Land Airbus Rover. yeah yeah and whoa. they're not the only ones mm-hmm. big big employers and the city which is Wall Street you know yeah. is is a very worried about a hard Brexit so she's got, you know, she's got business on her back. There's one other ask, one other thing that happened. Um, so you and I, uh, at least used to, I don't go as often anymore because I frank, frankly don't find... You don't like press, insults? I don't like insults and I don't like open hostility from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I don't like the fact that the briefings are so late and, and always start later than she says and only last about 15 minutes, uh, all of which is open hostility. Uh, but when I do, we see each other at the White House briefing. So uh, the president is having this news conference with Prime Minister um, uh, Theresa May, and uh, he goes to take a question, and he looks over, and there's a question from uh, Jim Acosta from CNN. Uh, and here is, uh, if we have that, Peter, Donald Trump's Response. He's not going to take that question. CNN's fake news. I don't well, take sir, questions. I don't take questions news, from CNN. CNN is fake news. Mm-hmm. And so he says, let's go to a real network. Let's go to John Roberts from Fox News, of course. And John Roberts asks a question, dumping on his colleague, uh, Jim Acosta. It's my turn to rant. I mean, I am so outraged at John Roberts. This was I, a time for him to show a little, yeah. to sh- show some balls and say, no, Mr. President, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till Jim asks his question. I wonder what pressure John Roberts... John Roberts is a good good reporter. He is. No, he is, but I think he, he a missed man. a moment there. I think he did. I, th- I, I, I wonder what pressure uh, John Roberts is under 
well, Fox News. He's under tremendous pressure, you know, to represent Fox News. And now Bill Shines, the communications director, right? So uh, even more so, he's under more pressure than ever, I think. But what also disappointed me was that John Roberts then came out with a statement saying, uh, it's not fair to call CNN f- fake news. There are lots of good reporters at CNN. He didn't say. He didn't say Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta is a good reporter. Didn't say that. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't say no. Jim Acosta is a good reporter, and he deserved to have that question. That's disappointing. Again, again, disappointing. That's disappointing. A number of people, a, a lot of press came out to defend Jim. I mean, this, this is, this is really, uh, particularly since he'd taken a question from CNN the day before. He I had. Believe. Yes. No. So this, he's got a thing about Jim Acosta. It's, there's, well, he's got a thing about CNN. CNN he's also but, got a thing. Also he's Jim also got a thing about Fox News. Obviously, that well, there's Fox only one News. network, as far as he's concerned. There are and a lot it, of Fox News people in the White House. We have not. I don't think we've ever come so close. I think we have now a state-run media. I had a very interesting thing with on NPR Fo- I mean, as Fox I was News. driving to the metro this morning about a um, an NPR Ipsos poll that's just come out. And I was driving, so I didn't hear it in great detail, but how Americans are divided more than they're divided by party on uh, the sources of their news and how they view America, immigration, a number of issues. They are divided by how they get their news. And they're divided more by Fox and CNN than they are by the networks and other outlets. Isn't that interesting? It is. It is. What really I find f- fascinating about that is, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, that there's no doubt Fox is full-time, full-bore, full-throated Trump. No, never, maybe with the exception of Shep Smith in the afternoon, but otherwise it's full-bore. And if you watch CNN, CNN's not full-time, full-bore, four-throated anti-Trump. They, you know, they tell the news there's some critical voices on there. But CNN's like, I find, all over the place sometimes. They do other topics also. They do. They I do. Mean, they don't they do. do. Nobody no. does no. enough other topics. There's not enough and I'm not bandwidth. C- no, I'm not saying CNN should be the anti-Trump network. All I'm saying is it's not. Right. It really isn't, you know, where Fox is definitely the pro-Trump network. I want to come back to the briefings for a second because yes. this is what goes on, and uh, where I think the, the what happened with John with John Roberts and the president going to John Roberts and John Roberts just without missing a beat picking up the microphone and asking his question as if that insult to CNN had not taken place illustrates the lack of solidarity in the briefing room among the people, the reporters in the briefing room. It's so competitive, and that's it's one of the reasons why I, I just... I, I, fi- I find it like high school and middle school. I, I don't... It's, it's a very difficult place to be. The, the people I find have always found enjoyable are the photographers and the camera people... And yeah. I like that. I like the journalists and the reporters. We got great people. We do. These are but. great people, but it's and the the White House Correspondents Association people are great people, but it's so competitive, and I think that the pressure is so great on everybody to but deliver. It hurts the body, the body. It hurts us all, I believe, 
when people let their little the private their little egos and their competitive nature and the pressure that they're getting get in the way of good journalism. For example, again, when Sarah Huckabee Sanders refuses to answer a question, in which we see her do all the time, shines somebody off, won't take a follow-up, says it's a stupid question, and moves on. If only the next person would say, no, ask the same question and keep after, you know, then that's the way you could get to them. I think if it you will ask never the same question, yeah, no, it, it won't ever happen. It won't, that, that's never going to happen, no. And that's sad, it's sad, I think, because then you play right into their hands. Well, I think we are in many ways playing into their hands. I mean, I, I've had talk show hosts, a, a, a very uh, good, I'm, brilliant talk show host suggested to me recently, well, maybe you should all just not go to the briefings. I said, no, because then they'll cancel them, and that's exactly what the president would like to do. Yeah, but I've also... But I mean, cancel I, the briefings. I know. No, exactly. But I've had people, friends, over the weekend suggest to me, maybe what you should do is everybody just get up and walk out. Go to the briefing, but if she really insults somebody, just get up and walk out. And it's worth pointing out, by the way, on that point, that you and I were both there in the Obama days mm -hmm. when early on, Rahm Emanuel was still the chief of staff. Mm -hmm. They tried to exclude Fox News yeah. from some briefings yeah. and from some gaggles. And the press corps, in that time, everybody did hang together, yeah. including CNN, yeah. and said, no, no, no. Fox News, by the way, already then they were considered, then you know, not as far, yeah, in somebody's camp as they were, but certainly uh, a Republican right wing leaning, but but, but it's, it's a network. Everybody said, no, no, no. No matter how bad they are, they're we're all together here, and if you're going to exclude them, we're not going to go, and it worked. It but, worked but, in and, that case. But, but that has still happened subsequently with pool reporting. You know, if uh, no, you cannot exclude so and so from pool reporting. Uh, by and large, it's happened that if you exclude them, we're not. You know, hmm. you, the the pool has stuck together. I've noticed the pool has stuck together still, even yeah, though uh, the body of the press corps may not. Have so, what do you expect to come out of this big summit today? Um, well, the president set a very low bar this morning by saying that that, that relations have never been lower, which. I find hard to believe when we look back at the Cuba Missile Crisis, um, but I don't know what, how much the president knows about the Cuba Missile Crisis. So he could make the argument that was the Soviet Union, not Russia. So He could make that argument. I wonder whether he's aware of that distinction. Uh, I doubt it. I mean, he might be. Yeah, just like he didn't know that Puerto Ricans were Americans either. So. He's, he also seemed to think that Ireland was in was part of... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Um, and he also, yeah. Well, I mean, our expectations should not be high because his are not well, high. Well, he, he, he was he, asked by Axios he, what, what, his, what three deliverables, he didn't use that word, but Jonathan Swan asked him yeah. what three things he wanted to get out of the summit. <clears throat> by the way, those questions are not asked enough. He'll say blah blah blah. Somebody should say what 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 four points do you expect to get? What four? So what? He'll say oh we've done. So what four things have you done with this, Mr. Trump? You know, Mr. President. And he could because nobody ever asked him for specifics about any of his policies because he doesn't know any really. Mm -hmm. He's not a 
policy guy. And nobody ever asked him that. But Jonathan Swan did. And he said, oh, we're going to talk about Syria. But he never said what he wants to get. He vaguely mentioned the topics he wants to talk about. He's never said what he wants to get out of it because there's no agenda for this meeting. What I thought was interesting is that when Jeff Glor from uh, CBS asked him, now this is, for so before he goes to Europe, he is briefed on what the Department of Justice is going to announce later that week. Right. The indictment of these 12 Russian military officers for hacking into the DNC and the DCCC. Donald Trump knows it. He's got the details. If he listened, he was giving a personal briefing. Then Friday, the Department of Justice makes this announcement, drops it like a bombshell, which it was. Cute. And then the president is asked by Jeff Glor, are you going to ask... Vladimir Putin to extradite those 12 military officers so they can be tried in the United States. And Trump said, I never even thought about that. Hello? That was was astonishing. Yeah. Never even thought about that. Well, he also I guess maybe I will. Hmm, hadn't thought about that. Gee, that's an interesting... He instantly blamed it on the Obama administration. He still hasn't... He hasn't said that that was Russia. He's... Hmm. Mm. He said it was Obama. He still hasn't. We can read that tweet again, Peter. He did this morning, you're right, uh, blames everything on Obama and Robert Mueller. Yeah, he he had a series of tweets this morning. I just want to jump right into it. You talked about the one where he talked uh, about how relationships with or the relations with Russia has never been worse. Uh, He says President Obama thought that crooked Hillary was going to win the election. So when he was informed by the FBI about Russian meddling, he said it couldn't happen, was no big deal and did nothing about it. When I won, it became a big deal. And the rigged witch hunt headed by Hmm. uh, Strozak, Peter Strozak, the guy that Hmm. this FBI agent that they've been sort of uh, demonizing. He's he's a favorite. Yeah. And then he went on to say, our relationship with Russia has never, all capital letters, never been worse thanks to many years of U.S. foolishness and stupidity and now the rigged witch hunt. (laughs) Right. So it sounds like that Donald Trump's America first is really blame America first. That's interesting, isn't it? Or blame... I mean, that's what he's saying. Ameri- Democrats in America. First. Well, he's he's saying, yeah, but he's saying the United States has acted foolishly and stupidly in the past. I mean, yeah. he that that would include George well, W. He, Bush, but, I but, guess. But if his slogan is "Make America Great Again," then <laughs> he's going to make it great again because it hasn't been. Yes, yes, implied. But I mean, I'm, I was getting back to his, he does to also emphasize America first, America first, yes, America yes. first, yeah. Well, in this, yes. he's blaming America first. Yes. In other words, Putin invades Crimea, uh, Ukraine, annexes, seizes and annexes Crimea. He's still got soldiers in eastern Ukraine. Yeah. He's got, he's got troops in Syria working against us in Syria. And he tries, and he interferes with, and tries to undermine the 2016 presidential election. No doubt about it. You could add to other things to that list: the, the unrest that he's sowing in oh, yeah. in Western Europe. And with all of those things, walking into a summit, Donald Trump blames the United States for the fact that our relationship is not as good as it should be. In other words, Vladimir Putin has done nothing wrong. He's done nothing to undermine our relationship at all. It's all our fault. There's well, a, you know, as an American, I say, BS to that. 
It's it's uh, there's a fascinating piece just come out in the Atlantic by John Cipher, who's a retired 28-year veteran of the CIA's National Clandestine Service and the senior intelligence that's fascinating about the summit and um, about how Putin is uh, is sort of a master of the details and of policy. And he said, you know, about what they're both going to want. Well, you know, and he says what Putin's going to do is fawn on Trump, play on his ignorance. And he says some of the questions he's going to sort of say, he's going to say he's going to play on Trump's um, predilection to save money, antagonize allies and disconnect from NATO. And he's going to say things like NATO has nothing to fear from Russia. So why are you wasting money on that Cold War relic? And he's going to say, uh, just like in Korea, your constant war games were a useless and expensive provocation. Let us handle Syria. It's just a waste of U.S. money to support people who are terrorists. And as a savvy businessman, you know that sanctions are hurting the West more than they hurt us. Think how many jobs we could create if only we could reinvigorate our commercial ties. Well, uh I think he's right on. And what's scary about that is that Vladimir Putin will have a, does have a plan, came into this meeting today with a plan, with some prepared questions, I'm sure, and some subjects that he wanted to get into and some things he was going to ask Donald Trump for. And Donald Trump, by his own admission, is walking in totally blank slate. No idea what he wants out of it other than a handshake and a photo op. Uh, we will stay. Victoria Jones will be staying with us, and we're going to be joined by uh, Jason Dick, who is a deputy editor at CQ Roll Call. Uh, continuing and looking forward to hearing from you. Your comments on Twitter at BP Show. The summit is underway about an hour and 20 minutes from now on schedule. Uh, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin will be holding a joint news conference. That'll be interesting as well. Uh, Bill Press Show, Monday, July 16. We'll be right back. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say on a Monday, Monday, July 16? Well, we're starting off the week with a lot of news, and it's just going to get uh, bigger and better as the week goes on. Well, better, I'm not sure, but maybe bigger. Uh, it is The Bill Press Show. We're brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the UFCW. Great men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families. Every time to go to one of our big grocery chains in this country, those people who stock the shelves and wait on you and check you out, all, all members of the UFCW, uh, we salute them, thank them for their support of the program uh, and we welcome uh, Victoria Jones here as a friend of Bill for the entire hour from uh, DC Radio Company. Um, how do people find you if they want to follow you when you're not on the Bill Press Show? I'm at uh, Victoria Jones DC. Victoria Jones at Victoria at Jones. At Victoria Jones DC. DC. I just okay. tweeted for the first time in six months. Oh my God! All right. Yeah. You must feel very healthy psychologically, right? Now. I, that's what I tweeted about. <laughs> that uh, th to tweet that uh, you know various journals as uh, Axios is reporting that people are saying, "Oh, I'm 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 not tweeting because I've just it's just not." So I tweeted that, "Hey, I stopped tweeting six months ago." Maggie Haberman of the New York Times yeah. tweeted out the I'm, day. I'm this doing is her Instagram last now. For... I'm tweeting pictures of food and cats mostly. <laughs> and joining us, Jason good. Dick. Dogs have worked for me. <laughs> Jason Dick, deputy editor of CQ Roll Call. Oh, Jason, good to see you as well. Always good to be here, Bill. All right. Thank you. The um, I want to start, get away from Russia here for just a second. 
uh, and talk about a man that I had a lot of respect for until about a day ago, two days ago maybe, <laughs> and that is Elon Musk. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? Oh. I mean, this is crazy, his attempt to insert himself into this magnificent Thailand rescue, which everybody is so excited about. And the turd in the punch bowl, you know, is <laughs> Elon Musk, who pretended to have the answer, you know, with this little one-man submarine that right. was going to solve everything. It turned out to be not even... Yeah, it had very much a whiff of uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. He was going to, you know, like, <laughs> get, go in there and... <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because people are finally getting their Teslas. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Steve Dennis, he got one. You know, Bloomberg. I mean, he he was very excited. He ordered it like you know five years ago yeah. or something like yeah. that. I mean, maybe Musk is sort of feeling his uh, feeling his oats now that people are actually getting their cars. And he's got the flamethrowers uh, out there too. You the know, flame, yeah. yeah. First of all, that's the first thing he started yeah. selling these flamethrowers. But so he says, I got this one man submarine that's going to do it. and. It was a joke. I mean, right. it wasn't developed. It wasn't ready. It right. wouldn't have worked in that right. in that tunnel channel. Very, very, very comic bookish, almost. Yeah. yeah, and so the people just sort of rejected it, and then he attacked the the lead guy and called him a pedophile. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a great way to kill your company, your multi billion dollar company. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, what are the investors like in Tesla and the others thinking about this nut now? Right. Yeah. They're and then just he, thinking about their money. Yeah, and yeah. then he, when the guy came back and he says, Many every, a lot of people were saying, no, what are you saying? What's the evidence for this? And he came back and said, I'll bet you whatever that is true. Bet you a Tesla? <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Or I'll bet you a submarine, he a Tesla de- submarine. He's since deleted the tweets, by the way, because oh. I think somebody told him, hey, dude, you can't just run around calling people pedophiles online. It's, so it's, it's so astonishing because it, it was it was the feel good story of the year. Apart from the bear in the jacuzzi, it was the feel good story of the summer. You don't know about that. I missed the bear in okay. the jacuzzi <laughs> with but the margarita. This was part of your memoir, Bill. You know, but, did some big sir. You know, but, but this but was I, the feel good. Oh, I'll find it. I do, I do agree with you. We talk so much about the, the in, from every aspect that rescue of those kids is yeah. incredible. And their it coach. Is. Just the fact that they were, could find them. Right. They and could take care of them. They could get them out. They're in good health. They're reunited with their fat. I mean, everything is so good about it. And uh, then this. So Elon Musk it is. Comes it is. Along. It is weird. So, and yeah, I mean, and we've seen. I just had to mention that. Well, I think, and you see this with. I mean, Trump. You know, another billionaire. You know, theoretically, uh, you know, he he has to insert himself in everything. Everything has to be about him. And I think that oh, gee, when you get when you heard any about that, there's right. nobody else like that around, is right. there? No, and and you and you there when you amass this much power and capital and money, whether you're Elon Musk or Trump or Peter Thiel, you know, take your pick. Um, it 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 becomes difficult to not think that the world revolves around you. I mean, it's as if like you know, you just sort of hand the remote control over to a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, nice. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is because you can't believe that it's not about you because it because to a certain extent it is because everything's made so easy. Right. I mean, some of these guys have their own islands in, you know, like near New Zealand in case of the apocalypse. I mean, what, 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 what are they supposed to think that it's uh, that the world is not really about them? Of you course, know, I wouldn't be like surprised. If, I wouldn't be surprised if Elon Musk owns an island. <laughs> a little political news, too, that we haven't had a chance to talk to yet. This is sort of the grab bag of things before we get back to Putin and the summit underway. Uh, and that is 
that um, Congressman Joe Crowley, mm-hmm. still a congressman, mm-hmm. who uh, was upset by the incredibly uh, attractive Alexandria Ortez, or, or Ocasio-Cortez, uh, yesterday said uh, that he could not support Nancy Pelosi for, for well, it's up to the caucus. He declined to endorse right. her or even oppose her. He right, and you know, it, on Sunday shows, you know, he he one he tried to diffuse this sort of conflict between Ocasio Cortez and him. Where well, why hasn't he met with her so, and just endorsed her and just put it behind him? Uh, I mean, good question. I mean, ego. I mean, it it, it, it seemed a fairly great. Well, it seems a fairly graceful uh, concession speech the night of the election. Uh, the, I think there was a little back and forth about you know New York has all these crazy, um, you know, kind of party lines. Yeah. You know, different different parties that you're you run on. You know, basically just if you raise your hand, which is a little different than mm-hmm. the way that mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans will run things. So he's on you know a couple of these these platforms. I think it's the. Uh, the Workers' Party or something like that, and she had they'd gotten into a what else a Twitter feud, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and it escalated and and who knows what you know is going through Crowley's mind. I mean, he he really probably was thinking that at some point I'll be Speaker, and now he's thinking, well, do I stay in McLean so my kids can finish high school? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, those are the things you know, like that's how quickly he, politics moves now. He, yeah. Right? By the way, he he moved his family to McLean. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, the idea like an old that he lost track of his district right. is true. Right. He lost track of his district. Right. Um, and but I think that you know the, uh, the way I think the way that you know that he was talking about the the leadership question though was it was in the context of if the if Democrats don't win the majority, then Pelosi has no legs to stand on any, anymore, especially after you know almost two decades in, yeah. in leadership. Uh, if she if they do win, it's kind of hard not to. You know, give her you know like the the the, the path to um, the speakership, but it, it, it wasn't exactly a rah rah you know kind of moment uh, for for him. I, I mean, it was it was it was it was sort of remarkable, and it shows you kind of what a flux the Democratic leadership is in in the House right now. Mm-hmm. May I ask you a quick question? Yes. If she gets of dumped, course. is that and who? Um, I mean, you know. I think the political parties have a remarkable ability to adapt and this sort of the sclerotic, you know, kind of state of leadership in both parties is is uh, is kind of, uh, you know, is, it belies that there are a lot of really talented people ready. I mean, certainly Tim Ryan uh, would probably raise his hand again mm-hmm. uh, for, for a leadership position. There's been talk. Uh, we've documented this a little bit in roll call about. Uh, the competition in case they want a sort of a transitional speaker if they were to win the majority. Mm. And, of course, this goes back to some of the same people, you know, Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn. Um, no, no, you can't but, go. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no. Uh, and, you can't and, go same age or right. older than Nancy. Right. No, that's the wrong direction. Got to right. be young. Adam so you, Schiff. So, yeah, Adam Ad, Schiff might be. Ad, Adam Schiff might be. Uh, you know, uh, Eric someone, Swalwell from Eric, California. Eric Swalwell, who is a, who is a Pelosi sort of protege. Yeah, right. Uh, Seth Moulton from Massachusetts, although yeah, he may be, right. you know, in the mm-hmm. mind that he wants to run for president. I mean, who yeah. knows? So that I mean, there's a re- there are a remarkable number of healthy egos I think who are ready to <laughs> to step into the breach if Nancy Pelosi decides that she wants to just sort of you know do fundraisers from her winery. Uh, as opposed in California, as opposed to you know, uh, well, serving so while, our we're, time while we're on California politics, it's worth noting too. Uh, Senator Feinstein, the thanks mm-hmm. that she gets for um, um, I need to. So what are we talking? Twenty five, twenty seven yeah. years of whatever of yeah. service now 20, in, in, yeah. in the Senate. Yeah, uh, is that the California the Executive Committee of the California Democratic mm-hmm. Party, of which I was once chair for three years. Um, Endorsed her opponent, 
Kevin DeLeon. Kevin DeLeon, yeah. a Democrat, mm-hmm. so they endorsed a Democrat, but young Democrat, Kevin DeLeon, uh, head of the state Senate in California, to running against her on the ballot against <laughs> yep. her. He got 65 or something percent of the vote, and she got 8%, I think. Right. Now, and uh, and what, no endorsement got right. like 20, which is what she was asking for, right. got something like 27%. Right. I mean, now, she she knew better than to kind of go head-to-head on it. Um, she. So I what mean, does it mean for her? Uh, I I mean it, it it's hard to kind of tell because this is a smaller population you know of of, of mm-hmm. the Democratic Party here talking but and she certainly won the primary fairly handedly you know over over De Leon oh, overwhelmingly so over, yeah. yeah I mean but I mean she'll still face him because you know California yeah. has this top tier top two jungle primary so they'll face off in in the fall and let the voters decide. I mean, it, it would be. I think it would be difficult to underestimate her strength. I mean, like she's been not just in the Senate since 1992, but I mean, she was. You know, she'd be. She was, she's been mayor of San Francisco. I mean, she's she's been in politics for a long time and knows how to win. But we we're just talking about Joe Crowley, <laughs> the Queen's yeah. Party boss yeah. Yeah. Of, of the Democrats. So. Um, you know, this is something that I think every member of Congress, everybody who's running and has, has been in a comfortable perch, uh, this probably keeps them sweating uh, late into the night, this, these kind of scenarios where they just they don't see it coming. Well, I, I, I can tell you as a former chair of the California Democratic Party <laughs> that there are 300 members of the California Executive Committee. Their endorsement means nothing. Really? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It does not. They do not reflect the electorate of California. Not necessarily. How do you see the electorate of California right now? Diane Feinstein wins. Diane wins big easily, time. big yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Gavin Newsom wins big yeah. time. But but it is an it's an embarrassment, and and uh, it doesn't speak uh, to it, unity to me. Uh, or reality. <laughs> uh, probably more important than unity, even, politically. So speaking of reality, and back to the big story that did. New York Times first paragraph this morning says that once Vladimir Putin sits down with Donald Trump, just the fact, sitting down with Donald Trump today, he will have accomplished everything he needs to accomplish in Finland. Do you agree? Um, I, I mean, depending on what happens, what they're talking, I mean, they're, I guess they're talking right now. I mean, if he, I think he would certainly, if he doesn't come away from this with the recognition of Crimea, you know, as part of Russia, I mean, if it, it, well, I, I think that he would like to get a few more things uh, ticked off on the agenda, but certainly, I mean, he's kind of in the catbird seat. I mean, like he's he's survived George W. Bush looking into his eyes all those years ago. He survived, you know, the the reset button with with Hillary uh, and all this. I mean, and he's you know he's in arguably the more powerful position here. But Victoria, isn't it sort of like Kim Jong Un? I mean, one, just the, just the very fact that he is having a summit with the president right. of the United States is what he's always wanted. His economy is a mess. His country is weak. This is. Putin. Putin. Okay, I just want to be... Yeah. Putin. Right. Yes, and, yes. And he's getting a, quote, summit, which is not a summit. This is not a summit. Summits are years in the making. They have um, uh, a secretaries of state, deputy secretaries of state, assistant deputy secretaries of state, <laughs> setting the agenda, making sure that the outcome is predetermined. There, there, there is no agenda. They could sit there and play Mahjong. You know, they could do Sudoku. 
Uh, we, we've no idea what's going on because there's nobody in the room except a couple of translators. I guess it'd probably be more Monopoly with Trump, right? I mean, <laughs> that you know, would you know, be Monopoly. Would... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It would oh, be yeah. Monopoly. <laughs> and he be... would lose. Right. <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing, because for Putin, Putin is, is former KGB, FSB. He has studied Trump. We don't know. Everybody says oh, he's got something. We don't know, but he may have. What we do know is that he's a policy wonk. Mm-hmm. He studies policy and he studies people. And he knows how to play people. He knows how to flatter. He knows how to cajole. And he also knows how to bully. Um, and he knows how to do it effectively. You know, uh, the story so. I thought about a couple of times is the story that we talked about when Putin met uh, Merkel. And he knew that she was afraid of dogs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. so he brought his dog, mm-hmm. which is which is like 75% wolf. A big, It's a huge giant dog. dog. Yeah. yeah. And he brought the dog into the meeting with Angela Merkel. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, just to freak her out. Right. Just yeah. to get the upper hand. Every that's single, type. I mean, it's it's like, I mean, he really is out of a Le Carre novel. I mean, he, he's, he is. Yeah. He is Carla, except if Carla yes, became he's president. he's Carla. He's Carla. <laughs> he's also a bit like, what's his name in Game of Thrones with the dogs who fed people to the dogs? Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, I forgot his name. Yeah, yes. yeah, but you know him, know the worst. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he is, he's Carla. He yeah. really is Carla. And I mean, and the, we don't have Smiley. Right, no, we don't. We no. don't. Ha- we don't have a Smiley <laughs> around. Um, and you know, the, I mean, just also, I've, I've got to say, I mean, you know, Bill, we, we talked about this my last time on the show that I had gone. I was in Finland. I was in Helsinki. That's right. You know, yes. Early yes. this summer on vacation, and it's such a fascinating. I asking you why Finland? Yeah. But <laughs> why not? <laughs> I, I didn't realize that you were doing the prep for the yes! summit. Right. 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 <laughs> I was uh, laying the groundwork, laying the bugs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, no, but it, it's it's such a fascinating place too. Uh, as far as a backdrop of geopolitics, because I mean, Finland is a is a neutral country. I mean, it's more closely aligned with the West than the East. But you know, they they fought a, they fought wars with the Soviet Union, one of which they won <laughs> the Winter War, uh, right right at the beginning of World War II, uh, and then they lost. They were they were allied with the Germans in World War II and paid reparations to the Soviets. I mean, they're this is a you know for them they're ex- mm. they're used to this weird mishmash interstitial existence between East and West, and it's you know the fact that Trump and Putin these two really fascinating characters i mean like regardless of the weirdness you know with uh with uh, in our own situation or with the russians and the fact that they're meeting there is just it really is i mean you just can't make these things up i mean it, it, it's it's a really interesting kind of backdrop and um the fact that again trump's going in with no backup i mean even though his own not just his own probably national security apparatus but you know there's a there's a congressional delegation that went to Moscow uh, a couple, couple oh, weeks yeah, back. Right. All Republicans, you know, ri- led yeah. by Richard Shelby. A, yeah. a, a, they celebrated a They celebrated July 4th in in Russia. In <laughs> Moscow. In Moscow. Right. Um, but they, but, you know, without any critical comments right. about Russia's involvement in the 2016 election. And and they but when they came Not back, came though, up. you know, they, they when they came back though, too, they said, you know, this is I wouldn't meet with Putin alone, and and what they were, they they actually told us they told Niels Lesniewski, you know, and, and yeah. a, a, f- a friend of the show too, um, that uh, and and Niels wrote about this for Roll Call that you know 
they were very concerned about how TASS and Sputnik and all these different, you know, kind of shill news companies in Russia would portray the meetings with, with Trump oh. because they they have they know how to manipulate people. They know how to yeah. propagandize people. And without, uh, you know, a, a counterbalance in with the U.S. media, which Trump, you know, just just this morning labeled the enemy of the people again. Um, I mean, he, you know, it, it's uh, they, they they're these are Republicans warning Trump, not not just uh, Diane Feinstein or Adam Schiff. You know, yeah, I mean, right. th- these are Republicans who were there and they they saw firsthand how you can be manipulated, and they warned him, and he, you know, did it did his own thing anyway. Uh, the summit summit meeting, whatever, uh, which already was interesting in and of itself, took on ex- uh, added significance uh, after Friday at noon. When the uh, deputy attorney general announces the latest <laughs> indictments uh, in the Robert Mueller probe, which uh, happened to be 12 uh, Russian military officers named. I mean, I don't know whether you uh, either of you. I took time out to read those 29 pages. It's stunning. Mm-hmm. The specificity. Yes. Their name, their rank, their serial number. The aliases they use, the people they contacted, the way this whole fishing expedition, it is incredible intelligence that they had on these guys. And Trump was briefed on this before he went on this European excursion. To what extent do you think he's going to challenge Putin about any of that? Challenge? That's an interesting word. Yeah, at least say, what was up? What were you doing? I mean, these are... these, These are... This is not some Romanian Guccifer too that they tried to say, right? Now we know these were members of the GRU, right? GRU, yeah. 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 So, I mean, the... the Russian military. Despite all the bluster, despite all the, you know, knock the hell out of them kind of rhetoric that you see at Trump at, uh, with with Trump at rallies, he isn't some put the screws to it guy one-on-one. You know, he'll he'll call out, you know, his Homeland Security secretary at a at a a cabinet meeting uh, and and sort of ritually humiliate people when other people are around. But he's he's not, you know, like from all accounts, he's not somebody who challenges one on one. I mean, that's where the charm comes on. You know, when the doors close, that's when the charming Trump comes out. Victoria was talking earlier about with uh, Prime Minister uh, Theresa May, Mm -hmm. right? Right. He he attacks her in that interview with in the, the press, right. and then when he's standing alongside her at the news conference, our relationship right. has never been better. Right, and he was mortified and and tried to make it up to mm-hmm. her in the meeting, right. and, and even pretending that he didn't say what he did say. That was we tape. have the tape, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it, it's it's so. I mean, back to your question, I I would not expect uh, Donald Trump to challenge Vladimir Putin on this. I mean, and, and, you know, one of the reasons that Putin doesn't get along with people like Merkel or didn't get along with somebody like Obama is that they're not really into playing these kind of games. They know that, you know, they, they, they're not going to uh, get a lot out of somebody who's like as slippery uh, a, a character as, as Putin is. So they don't even kind of try. I Should mean, he have canceled the meeting? I don't know whether he should have canceled it at this point, but I I think he should have gone into it um, if he was going to. But it, well, I don't know. He if he knew ahead of time, if he knew ahead of uh, Friday, he probably should have. He shouldn't have uh, had the meeting at this time anyway. There's nothing. There's no reason to have a summit with Putin right now. 
There's other things to do in Helsinki, Bill. I could have given them a list. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fun place in the right. summer. You've got these long... What time sunset? Like 10, 30, 11? Oh, it, it, when, when we were there, this was uh, four weeks ago, it was it was setting around 11 o'clock, in, and it was dusky, you know, until about 1. Yeah, and then I the mean, sun this, came up at yeah, 3. It, it was sounds great. fun. Whoa. And the, 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 one of the filing centers for the press is at this beautiful, like, kind of club sauna right there. On really? The, right there in the harbor. There's cool. a sea pool. I mean, there's a ton of stuff to do. He doesn't have to meet with Putin. But you guys are... (laughs) (laughs) Food is great. Oh, really? I was about to ask you about the food. fabulous. No, no, but you're all forgetting the real reason for this whole European junket was Scotland. Oh, that's right. Was Turnberry. And it rained in the afternoon, but he played in the morning, so... Yeah, right. And according to the Sunday Times, Turnberry continues to lose money. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Right. Maybe they could set like a Caddyshack three there or something. You know, they get some sort of use out of it. But he, and he he praised it as this magical place with these great views and great it does have great sources. views. I'm sure yeah. it does. But you're right. It's great, least, but it has uh, great views. <laughs> uh, at least the the reporting is that ever since he bought it in 2014 and renovated it and fixed it up, and he does a good job at that kind of stuff. Uh, that's Especially just if you like gold edge, gilt edge. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, he does. Uh, that has done nothing that. but lose money <laughs> every year. Lose millions of pounds every year. And so this is, I think, part of all the effort to... It's an, As the New York Times headline this morning, it's an infomercial. Right here is it. An infomercial for a money money losing resort. That's <laughs> how that's how they summed up his his Ouch. trip to Europe. Well, and you know the the the, um, <laughs> the the Trump merchandising thing that I sort of latched onto over the weekend was that some of the tariffs, you know, the, the countervailing oh, tariffs yeah. and so forth between China and us. One of the things that may one of the the price raises that may be a result of China raising tariffs was are the MAGA hats. Oh, uh, because they're made right. in because they're made oh, in yeah. China. I know, yes, like how of gr- course. Oh, well, if the Trumpers <laughs> have awesome. to pay more for their MAGA hats, they'll really get pissed off. Maybe that'll finally do it. <laughs> Jason Dick, it's great to see you. It's great to be. Roll call, roll call, cqrollcall.com and Victoria Jones. Thank you, Victoria. Thank great to you. see you. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you this tomorrow. Is the Bill Press Show.